Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Good evening and welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. We are here with episode 14. Wahoo! Welcome aboard. It's going to be a fun ride tonight. We have a huge amount to cover. It is massive. It is. <laughs> this has been the biggest day in tech that I can recall in a long, long time. It's actually been a big week. It's all started for us sort of last Thursday, really, when we started getting excited about um, um, the D9 conference. Yeah, so um, that was a good, lots, that was lots a of news conference. dropped last week, actually, didn't it? Um, with that, there was a lot of Microsoft news last week. This week, it's sort of there's been stuff from everyone, really. Yep. Um, I think who so, hasn't announced something today? <laughs> it's who can gazump who at the moment. Ex- exactly. Uh, so let, let's dive into it uh, here in the studio again. Myself, Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows with a cold. You sound really cool, oh, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and Skip Parker. Yeah, we're just sounding average, but uh, yeah, Brad's uh, Brad's at his coolest with his with his uh, with his cold, or uh, <laughs> or so the ladies might think. So it's my uh, Barry White there, voice. There we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, let's let's dive into it. Uh, on the agenda tonight, we've we've got a bunch of uh, little news updates. We're then going to dive in and, and chat about the various conferences that have been happening in the last few days. We talk about World IPv6 Day, which is happening uh, Wednesday, and we talk to uh, uh, Dr. Murray Milner, who's uh, representing that here in New Zealand. And we cover off a, a, a bunch of other bits and pieces of news on open source news uh, and some fun things from, from the likes of Apple and, and Microsoft. And we will uh, finish up looking at, uh, looking at a couple of devices and some apps of the week. So that's us. Let's, uh, let's jump into those topics. So first up, we had, uh, we had a little question come in via, uh, via Twitter. Yeah, so the, um, Microsoft have released a new disc format for the Xbox 360, hmm. and one of our Twitter followers wanted to know a little bit more about it. So I've been doing a little bit of research, and sort of what I found out was that the current Xbox discs that you buy, um, you actually only get 6.8 gig of data on each disc, not the full 8 gig. So this is the, the DVD that the, the DVD. games came on, yep. basically. Yep, and now what the new disc format does, it gives you an extra gig. Now, while that sounds great, this pales to the PS3, the 25 gig that you get with a Blu-ray. Right, because they're Blu-ray, right? Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it sort of gets lacking. But I suppose it gives you an extra gig of data that they can actually cram more video into as well. Now, they used up that extra that extra gig or so of data for copy protection, didn't they? Yes. So that's a pretty insane copy protection. Well, they're using all of it just for copy protection, or, or is that just part of part of the new format well, you, you just assume that that's um no no the old format that was the loss in the disc was copy protection oh yeah. okay so, so they might have changed their techniques yeah yeah okay so no, they may have been a little bit cautious overly cautious about their copy protection perhaps but yeah so all, all the new disc format gives you is an extra gig of data okay on all the okay. discs now but look i mean until i go into the blu-ray world with the xbox and they can get 25 gig on a single sided dvd uh, blu-ray movie is that going to happen do we i mean are there many games at the moment that require Multiple uh, DV- DVDs yes. on, on yep. Xbox. La La Noire, which has just come out from yep. Rockstar, is was that three DVDs three, on three the DVDs. Xbox? Yeah. Yeah. So if that on on um, PS3, then you just got one one disc would cover. Well, that, I'm right? assuming so. But I mean, the thing with uh, what I think Microsoft are 
pointing towards us. Well, let's not worry about the disk. It's just a transport medium. Load everything on your disk, on your hard drive. Right, because the, the hard drives are getting bigger and bigger. But yeah. I mean, if you had games that big, you're, uh, you'd only be able to fit 10 games onto, uh, onto your machine. So I guess that, that's uh, pointing in the direction of... Why are you looking at me like that? Just trying to do the math. I think you can fit more than 10. <laughs> well, if the game's three, uh, three discs, well, that works out to about 25 gigs apiece, and you've got a 250 gig disc, that'd be 10 games. But anyway, we'll move on from the math because <laughs> may- maybe I've got something slightly wrong there. He's feisty uh, tonight, isn't he? Uh, may- maybe skipped it. I'm, uh, I'm not taking any responsibility. But uh, we're going to need bigger hard drives, aren't we, in our, in our consoles if we're going to do that and, and a bunch of other things. Or, or cloud. Or go to the cloud. You yeah. pull something from the we'll cloud. We'll need some faster internet connections if we're going to, you know, stream down a 25 gig game onto our console. Or a four Brad. gig OS update. Oh, we'll go to that later. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we're all okay. firing. Tonight. Quiet, Brad. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've 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 covered off what that what that one's about. Now let's dive into some of the other bits and pieces of news. We've uh, we've heard uh, we've had an official uh, press release come through from Sony about the restoration. Of their PlayStation Network now being now being complete, so I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of happy people about that. Uh, but on the flip side, Sony probably aren't feeling too pleased about some of the other uh, happenings in terms of uh, hackings, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's such a big company. I mean, they and everyone's the company's quite individual as well. So I mean, the the music site in Albania or something got hacked. And the movie site. Yeah, and let's just face it, they, they do seem to have a methodology of bad security on websites. But they ha- I mean, it's a huge organisation. But 100,000 username, passwords, and credit cards got exposed in the latest one. And there was a million one the other day, wasn't 100, there? 100,000. Uh, okay, so not it's a, not good. It's, it's, not, it's good. not a good look. But, no, no. Uh, we, I mean, we don't want to spend all day bagging Sony. Um, but, it, I mean, it's certainly great that the uh, the PlayStation Network's back up and running and they're... They're getting in there and giving out their uh, freebies in terms of uh, games, right, to uh, uh, to their PSN uh, network members. So that's um, that's a good thing. Well, they needed to for E3, didn't they? They needed to turn up to E3 on a front foot. Yeah, definitely. So, which, which we'll go into in a minute. And we'll, yeah. we'll dive in and talk about the E3 conference shortly. Now, Nintendo, what happened with their website? So, yeah, I was reading about it the other day. They had a, they got hacked as well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was only a small one, but it's yeah. just that it was up on all the sites. And I suppose at the moment the media is, with Sony sort of sitting in the spotlight for the last four or five weeks, any <laughs> little hack at the moment. I mean, Google got hacked last week in China again. Um, and you know Nintendo got hacked as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of media coverage around at the moment. These companies getting hacked. Mm. It's not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, at the rate it's going, uh, everyone will have been ha- will have been hacked within the, within the next few weeks. I, I imagine in, in in one form or another. So, uh, no, yeah, no one wants to be. No, everyone wants to be left out. I want to be left out. Uh, Please don't touch our website. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right. And uh, now, last week we had uh, the Computex conference happening. Where was that happening? Taipei. In Taiwan. And what was the uh, what was the big news there? That had a bit of crossover with uh, one of the US conferences, didn't it? Yeah, there was D9 going on at the same time. But the, um, the Computex conference was all around the tablet. Apparently there was 259 different tablets there. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And was the iPad amongst them? No, not one. <laughs> not so, one. Lots so, of clones. So we've got all of all of these products coming in to, uh, to try and take on the iPad. What's going to happen? Are, are there any uh, strong competitors? Uh, I saw one or two. But the, look, the problem with these conferences is you see lots of prototypes. 
but what actually makes it out and that you can buy on the street is another completely different story. So there were a lot of mock-ups of what potentially things could look like, some ultra-thins, dual, dual LED-based touchscreen devices, some really neat concepts. But until I can go into Harvey Norman's Dick Smith's or online Amazon and actually buy one of these devices, I'm very sceptical. But, but what it does point to with that many devices is you know, give us a little bit more time and whether that's 6 months, 12 months or 18 months, we're going to be flooded with options in this country, aren't we? It's there there fast. is going to be a lot of of options available, just like there are with, you know, netbooks today. You walk into any electronics retailer, and there's all these little netbooks from, you know, sometimes as cheap as three or four hundred dollars uh, upwards. And you know what what we're expecting to see with tablets is a similar sort of price point as the starting point because the uh, you know the hardware platforms they operate on will be will be pretty similar technologically, right? And the price can only come down with most of those components. Yeah, well, the more people that use them and consume those parts, the the price in theory should come down like the ARM processors. Mm. So, hopefully, that means Apple will drop their prices maybe a little bit as well. And, and iPad three. Yep, and we would expect probably to see some of these low end uh, tablets and we, you know Android tablets and the like uh, coming in at that sort of seven inch screen size to. You know, it won't be too long before they're you know in retail in New Zealand for you know two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollar type price range. I can only dream. It's coming. <laughs> I can only dream. It'll be good. Excellent. All right. Now, other news there. What was uh, what what was it that um, that you wanted to mention next, Brad? The, uh, the Sorry, I was just waving at one thing. I just got in trouble for looking at it before. So look, if you want to have a bit of a giggle, go onto YouTube and look up Dot .wave and German Apple Store. Um, these guys are protesting around the DR, I think it's the DRM rights that um, Apple have got on their, on their music software. But basically they bang up a giant Microsoft logo on the outside of the Apple Store in Germany. So that's right, because Apple going at a um, a great big black um, barrier around the opening of the store, so everyone just sees a giant black wall, and they added a really nice looking Windows logo on the side of it. it looked great. Yeah, it did, but they managed to do it in broad daylight, and they left it there, and, and then they went out and uh, went it, onto their website and did yeah, the protest. I was, I mean, it was a very very entertaining video, and there's a lot of those things these days where people go in and deface various buildings, and there's all the sort of art stuff that that guys like Banksy do, which is really really you know creative and awesome stuff. And it, yeah, it was fun to see this video where these guys sort of you know set up a barrier and they just look so official. And then they start slapping up the Microsoft uh, logo. So yeah, def- definitely uh, an entertaining little watch. Uh, one of the other little bits and pieces of of, of news which you you may have noticed um, uh, me tweeting about over the weekend or on on Friday was. Uh, that Microsoft have confirmed the launch date for Office 365. Uh, that's coming at the end of this month, 28th of June. Ooh. So uh, if you are interested in, in uh, cloud-based email and uh, the other, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that Office 365 brings to the table, then it's definitely worth logging in and getting yourself on the beta because that's free at the moment. And at the end of the beta, you'll get a month free as well. So now's definitely the best time to try it out. Uh, we've been we've been trying it for the last couple of months to run uh, all of our bits and pieces behind the scenes for the NZ Tech podcast, our email, uh, all our collaboration and communications, and have to say it's a fairly polished product uh, in most regards. There are some limitations at the moment with uh, with Mac support uh, for their Link product. 
but uh, you know most of the things are looking pretty polished, so we're, we're hoping to see a few updates on that. Uh, you can check out Office 365 NZ uh, for a few of my little uh, little updates on on that topic. So uh, yeah, now a bit of open source news, guys. In yes. the last few days, what have Oracle uh, announced that they're up to? So Oracle, when they bought Sun, they got a hold of OpenOffice, and what they've done now is that they've said. Oracle is currently thinking about giving OpenOffice a cross to be managed by the Apache Software Foundation. So OpenOffice is the sort of the free Office product yep. um, that that I guess um, is the is the main choice. If people don't aren't going to go and buy Microsoft Office, they're wanting something to use at home. Few people use it in businesses too. Not not a huge market share, um, but that that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, that's, yep. that's exactly right. So. If they move it across, if Oracle moves it across to the Apache Software Foundation, what that means is that they can actually go out and start doing a lot of these updates and a lot of the um, address a lot of the issues that um, OpenOffice users have with OpenOffice a lot quicker and just start pushing them through because they don't have to register everything; it can just get done. So for OpenOffice users, this is going to be a really, really, really good thing because at the moment, every change that they want to do with OpenOffice, they have to register it, has to be noted down, has to go through just the way that the system works for those guys. So I thought this was a good thing, personally. Interesting. And we've seen a bit of a split with the with the OpenOffice code, haven't we, um, in, the, in the last little while. There's now, uh, we've now got, uh, I guess, a sort of competing... Uh, product out yeah. there, right? Yeah, the, the couple of guys broke away from the Oracle when they bought Sun and um, basically went off and did their own thing. It's uh, Neo Office or something, wasn't it? Correct. Yep, yep. that's right. Uh, and the good thing about this is I know of quite a few enterprise content management services uh, systems that are open source that use Open Office code for doing a lot of document conversion and stuff. So by having this happen, it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable about staying within that framework. Correct. So um, it's it's a good move. It's a great move. Yep, and it's all, it's always good to have uh, have some competition out there in in every space, right? It keeps everyone on their toes. So uh, certainly something that 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 we support. Uh, now Mozilla, what's um, what's going on there? There's um, there's a there's a been a beta of uh, Firefox five out already, right? In the yeah. Last last two or three weeks. Yeah. So basically, there's a nice seamless um, beta um, upgrade going on at the moment from. Uh, 3.5 to 3.6, I think. So they're sort of pushing that on people, which is a, it's yes. unusual with that sort of an update just to force it out. Um, cause that, and that's an older update, really, isn't it? Yeah, but they're just, just pushing it out now. It's all happening. So beta users should be noticing that. Um, feedback so far, it looks really, really nice. People are sort of starting to see it pick up like the Chrome and, and IE9 uh, performance because they were lagging behind there for a little bit. Well, Firefox 4, I've seen a lot of stuff on uh, on, on forums, people talking about... You know, it hogging huge amounts of memory up, you know, up to a gig of uh, of RAM for, uh, f- you know, for Firefox four. That's a lot for your browser to be hogging. Sorry, uh, how, how much? A gig. Holy cow! So, um, <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, certainly, you know, I've seen some people saying that they've gone back to uh, to three point six. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. So, we, we we're expecting that Firefox five. Will uh, will address some of, some of those concerns. I guess Firefox four just came out only you know what a few weeks before uh, before this Firefox five beta. So it looks as though what what we're seeing from uh, the Mozilla Foundation is that they're going to move to a Chrome style update path, which is small, 
and regular updates, right? Whereas before we've been waiting a you know maybe a year or or or, or more between uh, between releases. And you, you saw the news about Google uh, limiting support under the new Google Apps for newer browsers. Like basically anything less than Internet Explorer eight, for example, is not supported under the new Google Apps. So they they're pushing a lot of their app uh, stuff. IE seven, I think. No, IE seven is gone. Doesn't support oh, IE seven. Oh no, you're right. You're right. So yeah. um, not, IE7, not officially supported, but that no. that um, what they what they're saying is that it'll still work for in most regards, but it's going to become less and less they, supported. They're basically going right? to push a lot more HTML five functionality into their Google Apps platform, basically. Um, so there's a few people around there going, oh, what's going on here? Especially corporates. There's still a lot of corporates using Internet Explorer 6. <laughs> Don't Why? get me started. Well, I Why guess are you've you got, doing you've that? You've got those big, big organizations that are running very old versions of Windows and they they don't have you know my impression they don't have very good strategy around around <laughs> their technology they don't have the capabilities to roll out the newer technology they're too scared it's going to break something Just and so they're sitting on their hands and haven't haven't done a lot uh, it would be actually be interesting if any of our listeners out there are, uh, are are working in bigger firms that are still on some of this old technology we'd love to hear from you about uh, what it is that holds your organisation back. What are the sort of legacy technologies that you uh, that you use that cause that? It's, it's you know it's certainly very interesting uh, to those of us who work in smaller organisations that can be more agile and up with the play with the latest tech. Uh, what it must be like to work in that situation? Certainly not an environment I would enjoy working in. That's for sure. Um, now other uh, other news: Linux uh, Linux three point What's uh, what's happening there, guys? It's twenty years old. That's when Linux started, 20 years ago. Yep, he, uh, Linus uh, Torvald released a Linux 3.0 update kernel the other day, and it is now 20-year anniversary of, of the Linux kernel when he first released it. So he wanted wow. to get that out to us. Wow. So uh, pretty much all of the technology we're using around the place is is, is pretty dated, right? We look at uh, you know Windows, which uh, is, is based on the NT uh, technology, which first came out in '93. Uh, OS X, which was um, based on the next operating system of the late 80s, uh, and and Linux, uh, 20 years old, but you know, based on all the uh, Unix concepts, which were probably about uh, 15 or 20 years old by at that time as well, right? Yep. I just want to know what ever happened to OS2 Warp. <laughs> it warped. <laughs> Skip, if you're still wanting to find out where that is, your head is stuck in the sand. It's time to move on, man. <laughs> um, next, you'll be asking about the Amiga OS. Oh, the, don't get me started on that. We could go for an old podcast. But, I mean, that is pretty impressive. I mean, we're at version 3 of Linux, and it's 20 years old. I of mean, the kernel. Of, of the kernel. kernel. Mm-hmm. And that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? It's, it's yeah. A, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, yeah. You can't, it's a, it's an amazing thing, and I mean, he's still wrapping out the code, and it's just awesome. It really is. It's yeah. Well done, well done, Linux. Excellent. All right, now uh, we're going to cut across now to an interview. Dr. Murray Milner. Murray is the chair of the New Zealand IPv6 Task Force. All right, welcome, Dr. Milner. How are you? You're in uh, Japan at the moment. Yes, I'm in the beautiful city of Kyoto at the IEEE International Communications Conference, getting a very strong dose of uh, what's going on in terms of the future of 
uh, communications technology worldwide. Excellent. Now, th- this week we have World IPv6 Day. Can you uh, can you tell us about what that is and, and how your organisation is, in, is involved in that uh, here in New Zealand? Right, well, I, I'm a convener of the IPv6 Task Force in New Zealand, and the task force is... Uh, affiliated to the IPv6 Forum, which is a global uh, activity try promoting uh, the adoption of IP, the IPv6 protocol for the next generation of internet. The decision to have a world IPv6 day was done internationally. Uh, it was, uh, I suppose, uh, reinforced by the exhaustion of the IPv4 address space from the uh, central registry and uh, also uh, very close to exhaustion in the Asia Pacific region uh, about now Um, and uh, it's really a matter of uh, just accelerating uh, the adoption plans of various entities uh, for IPv6 so it's really to give a bit of an emphasis to what where things are what the current status is uh, how advanced the world is uh, in terms of its adoption what issues are outstanding, allowing people to test websites, to test uh, applications, etc. Excellent. Um, okay. What would be the concern for the average New Zealander in terms of their, um, you know, their home usage, their usage of their, their smartphone or their iPhone, or in a business environment if, uh, if IPv6 doesn't get adopted quickly enough? What are the sort of issues that we could see? Well, the biggest issue, I think, in the short term is lack of uh, access to parts of the internet. Some countries, namely China, uh, India, etc., will run out of IPv4 addresses long before New Zealand does. And so they will have to be forced to develop internet applications using IPv6. And so um, eventually those some of those applications will not be visible to New Zealand um, uh, entities, uh, whether they be private ent- entities or business entities. Um, if they don't have uh, IPv6 capability. Now, most people will get that capability through their service provider. And so one of the key areas of emphasis for us is to ensure that all the service providers are offering native IPv6 services as soon as possible. Um, And then most consumers will get advantages from that. And then businesses will need to make their own um, uh, websites IPv6 enabled as well so that they can be seen by those particular uh, entities in other countries, um, okay. and also so that they can get native access to uh, the new IPv6 applications that are going to come out with the next generation of mobile handsets and also a variety of different devices which in the future are going to be IPv6 uh, enabled only because uh, there are such a large volume of them and there's no IPv4 addresses to provide for them. Okay. And when... What sort of timing do you think that we would start seeing um, IPv6 becoming available in New Zealand through, you know, through the internet providers that we use at the moment? I understand some of the carriers such as uh, Telstra Clear are, uh, are well on their way to um, uh, adopting that throughout their organisation, uh, but it's still some time away, isn't it, until we see it broadly available? Yes, it's probably still a wee while before it's widely available. But what we're keen to see is that um, all of these, um, uh, particularly the service providers, uh, have a plan to um, develop uh, IPv6 capability um, and that that be available to the wider public in the sort of next 12-month type time frame. Okay. Uh, that would be a, a really good um, goal to achieve. 
And have most of the um, most of the operating systems on you know desktop computers and on and on uh, smartphones and so on are most of those IPv6 capable now, or there's still some uh, some holdouts where uh, where systems aren't aren't compatible. I couldn't guarantee that everyone is uh, absolutely IPv6 enabled, but a large number of them are. Um, all of the Windows operating systems are. Um, there's no problem with uh, Unix. Uh, most of the mobile um, uh, operating systems are, and certainly they will be with the next generation of handsets, uh, working with, for instance, the long-term evolution uh, technologies, which are due to come out in the next couple of years. Um, so the, the uh, industry itself will solve a lot of those problems. Uh, one of the major standards bodies uh, just updated all of their uh, standards, which are particularly orientated towards um, Broadband in the home um, with IPv6 capability in February of this year. So we're looking to see consumer equipment rolling out with IPv6 capability later this year. Uh, most business equipment is already uh, capable today. Okay. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So if uh, if if uh, followers to the show are interested in keeping up to date with who are the players that are that are really at the forefront of IPv6 in New Zealand, would your website be a good place to have a look? Yes, the ipv6.org.nz um, website uh, has an up-to-date list of um, who's uh, providing uh, um, IPv6 um, support and also what services they're offering as well. So if an if enterprise, for instance, wants to upgrade their website uh, to IPv6, then there'll be some um, um, uh, offerings from various companies on the website to help them. Okay. Oh, that's fa- that's fantastic. Okay, well, we'll keep a watch on that, and we'll certainly post uh, post that in with our uh, our show notes up on nztechpodcast.com after the show. So if anyone wants to uh, wants to find out more, you can look in there, and we'll also and have the uh, the Twitter details online as well, so uh, so people can can follow in. I've just heard I've just heard that uh, we will actually have a webcam and. Uh, data centre in Gisborne operational, uh, and we'll try and get that up on our website uh, for World IPv6 Day, remembering that we're the first uh, country in the world to uh, enter into World IPv6 Day. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. All right, well, we'll look out for that. Well, thanks very much for your time, Dr Milner. Uh, we really appreciate that and hope you enjoy the rest of your time there in uh, in Osaka. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Okay, thank you. All right, now there's been some major, major uh, news and, and so on coming through in the the uh, other conferences that have been going on in the last few days, particularly uh, today we're recording, but also last week we heard a little bit earlier about the uh, the, the tablet news uh, coming out at the uh, Computex event in Asia, and there was also some announcements uh, sort of simultaneously there and at the D9 conference in New York, if I've got that right, yep. uh, around Windows 8. Now, guys, what uh, what are your impressions from what you've seen about Windows 8 so far? Woohoo! Oh, Skip <laughs> likes it. I was really impressed. And I, I it really, for the first time, I thought, wow, Microsoft are leading the way here a little bit on this stuff. This is very cool. They do seem to uh, they do seem to be taking a fresh approach. They pulled through uh, some cool ideas from from Windows Phone that are uh, that are doing you know fresh things with a touch interface. There, there's a bunch of stuff there. Brad, you were pretty excited about it being a Microsofty. Uh, you've you've bagged uh, Microsoft in the past for uh, 
their um, lack of a of a great uh, tablet operating system. What are your thoughts about Windows 8? So yeah, I've been really critical. And I, I suppose our listeners were going, oh yeah, sure, sure. But I, I have, I thought they've been lacking innovation, lacking some focus. And so if I put my Microsoft hat on, we didn't know. You're, you're only allowed it on for a couple of minutes yeah. so, uh, per show because it's usually, you know, I get in em- trouble. employer hats off yeah. while you're in the studio. But. So we didn't know. We, we <laughs> um, Only a very, very sort of core part of the organization knew what it was going to look like. So when we saw the announcements, there was a lot of, oh, wow. And then it was just like, we've got something fresh again. So That's now cool. taking it off again. Um, look, it's, it's nice to see, you know, as one commentator said, you know, in four and a half minutes of watching that video of Windows 8, you got me excited about Windows again. And yep. it, it did because it needed it. It needed a refresh. It needed a reboot. Um, Windows 7 started that process. But I think Windows 8 has actually done something which, you know, you've got this beautiful new UI sitting across it with these dynamic HTML5 um, sort of tiles very similar to Windows Phone 7 but for businesses they can either use that tile based interface or they can still get back to the underlying from what we saw OS that lives below it as well for desktops and it's pretty early on isn't it so that, I guess there's a lot more that, that probably you know we haven't seen in terms of how the nuts and bolts of it tie together but what businesses need is the fact that you know, 99% of, of businesses have applications that are existing Windows application. They need to be able to run their, their old accounting system or yeah. some other uh, bits and pieces that they're tied to on Windows. So it's going to allow you to do that. But you've also got this, you know, really cool user user experience if you're on a tablet or, you know, a touch-based device. I think the nice thing for me is that they've actually gone out on a limb. They've taken a risk. You know, this UI is, is a real risk for Microsoft. It's a new, it's a complete new way of running, working with the operating system. So, you know, fair play to them. They did that with Windows Phone. They've actually gone out and done that with Windows 8 from what we've seen. Or, look, and we've only had very limited feedback from hands-on experiences and very early prototypes. So, But the key thing for me, it's all HTML5. So that means all the applications can work on Android, can work on Safari, so they're going to be, you know, if you've got a browser-based or an application that's pure HTML5, then there's no reason that these developers now can't port it to anywhere they want to go. So is this is is Microsoft shooting themselves in the foot here? Because in the past, people have chosen Windows because you had to be on Windows to run your applications, right? Now, if they're opening up Windows to run, you know, these web-based HTML5 uh, apps, uh, it's going to be much easier to say, well. Actually, none of my applications rely on Windows anymore. I can choose any platform I want. It means they truly have to be the best at everything they do. Otherwise, people are just going to move elsewhere. Yeah, but that'd be a fair comment to say. Yeah, but I think it's also looking for the cloud as well. I think it's getting ready for the cloud. And but yeah, I mean, I think they are. They're going out on a limb, really pushing it ahead. But if you put an application in the cloud, they want it to work on Windows. They want the customer to have that same user end, end user experience on any device. So it means from a developer's perspective. If you've got a really good platform to develop on, like Windows 8, which it could be, um, that if you develop a really good HTML5 app that does live tile updates and all those neat, really cool things, that you're going to keep doing more and more um, work and expansion on that platform. But that means you don't have to go and rebuild your code. Like, let's look at the Windows Phone market right now. So if you want to develop a Windows Phone 7 app or, or an iOS 4.0 app or an Android app, you've got to develop for each individual platform. Imagine being able to develop for one platform. That yeah. would be great. And then, then the app or the the functionality is determining the platform. If that mm. makes sense. So, no, it's a, it's I, a good I way. think it's it's a it's a very bold move. I think it's very risky for Microsoft. 
because you know opening things up means it's much easier for people to move to uh, to competing platforms. But I think that that's the new Microsoft that we're starting to see now. They're a lot more uh, you know open in terms of how they operate. They're a lot more humble. I mean, they they've taken a hiding to nothing, and they've come out saying, and they said this at D nine. We've taken a hiding to nothing. Yeah. I mean, we've we've basically lost ground on a lot of stuff here. Mm. So th- that's kind of surprising, to be honest. Mm. But um, I think you're right. They're um, they're beating the kitchen sink. They are beating the kitchen sink in everything at this Windows eight, Windows seven phone, tablet experience, and even some of the newer stuff they're doing with Connect and whatnot. I mean, they are throwing everything at the market but but they could have looked with windows 8 ui they could have sat there and done a bit of a you know a skin update and they could have you know put a new little taskbar down there and you, you could have had your traditional and we had, they would have gone here we go here's windows 8 and yeah but this this is something completely different so yeah they, they've changed so many elements haven't they i mean right yes. right from the the chip technology that it runs on you know we, in the past it was you know windows for so long has been uh, you know, based on on having a an, an Intel type CPU at its core for you know, unless you're on this, you know some of the high end server systems, yep. uh, you know now it's it's really all you know so heavily focused on being able to deliver from those small tablet type devices where batteries are going to last for a long time, you know, right up to obviously your, your high end you know type systems and 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 our standard day to day PCs and laptops. Right. So my big thing at the moment, let's it's got the hardware has to match. Apple and Android-based devices. That's we, true. We, we've got to have these paper-thin LED-based screens that give us 12 hours battery life, that are a res- lightning quick response, and you know we, we've got a really rich user d- desktop experience on it. That's the key thing we've got to get out of the, of the hardware manufacturers now. Now, out, out of D9 came some negative feedback on Windows 8, is that Microsoft's actually being really hard on the hardware manufacturers around the minimum specs and everything like that. Very Apple-like. But I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that they're going out to Acer and those guys and saying, hey, you, you can't. You can't throw out rubbish, right? Yeah, you've yeah, got to put out yeah. a good quality product. So yeah. it, it's going to be good. They did this with Windows Phone, and I think it's going to, you're going to see more and more of this now. But yeah, that was huge. That for, mm. It was good. No, like that, it. that's exciting. Now, uh, today, and, uh, and we're recording Tuesday, there has been um, there's been three, three conferences on, on, hasn't there? There's been the HP Discover event. Now, we were going to be talking to... Uh, Mauricio from um, from Geek Zone. Now he's uh, he's he's tied up. He's over there in Vegas at the moment. So we're going to hear a bit of a report back from uh, from him probably on the next show. Uh, but also on at the same time is the E3 uh, conference, which covers all of the gaming and entertainment happenings. And we've got Apple with their Worldwide Developers Conference, which you know a- as usual tends to be the place where they make uh, they make a whole bunch of announcements. About uh, about what's happening in the world of Apple. So um, let's dive into uh, to the news coming out of E3 and uh, Worldwide Developers Conference. Which one first? Well, I think let, let's chat about uh, let's chat about E3. There's um, there's really been a you know a whole bunch. We've got uh, Sony making announcements there. Yeah, let's start with Sony. So um, yay, Sony! They came to the market with uh, to E3 with their network intact, which is great. Yep, good um, sign. Yeah, good sign. We're off to a good start. <laughs> and actually, to be fair, I mean, we made the comment uh, we were talking recently about their hack, whether it would actually affect games coming into the marketplace. But they seem to be holding up pretty well. So there's there's no delay there. I think gamers... They've uh, got a bunch of stuff coming through, yeah, right? Yeah, so they've certainly got a lot of stuff. But I guess the big thing is they had the next generation platform for gaming. Uh, or sorry, next generation portable. 
that that looks quite cool to me. Yep. So they've been talking about it for a while, um, and the the NGP device finally got a name today. It was um, PlayStation Vita, 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 yeah. which is apparently Latin for life. Um, and so the uh, the titles that appear to be coming into this game uh, in around the launch dates um, seem to be, I guess, carry ons from popular titles like Uncharted. Uh, so that's quite good. Uh, I guess they're not trying to mimic uh, games, like take the PS3 games and just try and slap them into a portable gaming platform. So they're, they're doing a lot of thought about it. There is a lot of developers uh, already on board developing for this platform, so that's great. Um, and it actually looks like it's going to be a much better offering than what we've seen with their Android-based um, platforms. Um, the the hardware that they're talking about is phenomenal. It's like a four core processor. Um, it is. It's. I mean, it's typical Sony style, isn't it? You you go go and grab the world's greatest processor you can get and just slam it into it. The PS3 is a phenomenal processor. Regard out of yeah. all the all the gaming consoles, its processor just kicks. But um, so it's interesting. There is a couple of really cool features I like about it. The, um, the it's got a, a touch screen, a touch pad on the back of the device as well. So it's going to take a. It's got quite a tactile surface. So you got your buttons a, on the that's front. That's a good concept. It, it could be actually a really interesting gaming experience. Um, but they're really going to leverage into the social gaming aspect. So you've got a. There's a Wi-Fi model for about two forty nine euro. I think at the stage they're talking about, and a three G Wi-Fi model for about uh, closer to three hundred euro dollars. Um, and so they're wanting to get people interacting with each other. Um, they've got a whole bunch of. Uh, day one launch apps that are going to drive interaction and social connectivity between gamers um, and from previous conversations they're really wanting to try and uh, pick up that whole you know you're on the bus and you're driving to into work or into school or whatever someone else has got a, a, a gaming device as well you just sort of pick up that interaction with them and, and play along so they they're, they're doing quite a I think it's going to be quite a good platform. It's going to it's going to take their current portable platforms um, well into the next you know next generation. I mean, yeah, that's what it, it is. It looks like really nice gear. I mean, the things always look like that in the press shots, but it it looks really cool. I think it's it's nice that for fifty dollars more than the standard device, you get three G built in. Yes, Skip. Do you know what what does that mean? I mean, obviously you've got access to internet and and online gaming type things. I think that's got to be a given. But you know, what's it going to have in terms of phone capabilities? And would you really hold one of these to your ear and and use it as a phone? Because no. if we're talking we're talking <laughs> two nine nine US for the for the Wi Fi and three G combined model. Uh, if you work that out into uh, into local currency, you know, we're talking under five hundred dollars. Um, you know, I, I can imagine there is an audience that would like to have that as their phone and as their device. This this device is squarely targeted at the Nintendo market. The Nintendo portable market is the same price. Uh, I think it's the same price. Um, but it's effectively going to go after that market share. So it certainly doesn't not, look like a phone, does it? And it's, it's got not, And it's got a sort of a, a, a joystick thing that, that, that sticks out. It's going to be very less about um, voice. I mean, there will be voice communication and stuff on there, but is, this, is a, this is strictly a gaming platform. This is, I mean, if you want to go for phone, you go with their um, PlayStation, the Sony Xperia, Xperia type yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, but this is, a, this is a mobile, portable gaming platform. Which is at least twice platform. the price, right? Yep. 
but hey, I mean, this is going to be a device that will be able to connect to the PlayStation Network and do mm-hmm. the music videos and the uh, all the other bits and pieces as well. So this is this is going to be a this is going to be a very good portable offering for um, for gaming, and um, it's it's going to be the device which is slightly more classier, I think, than Nintendo. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's it's so interesting that Microsoft haven't played in this space at all. Uh, in terms of a dedicated gaming device, obviously we've no, got we've got you know e- Xbox Live, um, you know capabilities on the on the Windows Phone, but nothing in terms of a you know a dedicated gaming device. So you yeah, know it's interesting it, to see uh, Sony and Nintendo sort of uh, scrapping it out because uh, you know there, there's a fair room to sell a lot of uh, a lot of devices there. Is there's there a, though? I mean, I, I I look at it and think that the portable gaming device is more geared towards um, the Japanese consumer market where portability is everything. So that's where Nintendo's making its big bucks. That's where Sony's portable gaming platforms will make its big bucks. So right. it's, it's we've well, got a, kids with lots of money to spend, or their parents' money to spend, and, the, and they'll have one of everything anyway. And six hours commute time on the bus, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> so this is this is going to be the device that hits that market market specifically and Sony is very much in a Japan Japan Asian oriented uh, company and they tend to market more towards there whereas Microsoft target the Xbox more to North America and but Europe, you've, you've got so the Windows Phone 7 for your portable gaming that's that's where they're going it's mm. never going to be in that Sony but, but this, place at the, moment, at the moment this is in a very different price yeah, bracket, totally. bracket yep. to uh, to those phones isn't it but yeah okay. well, I agree no, Skip. It's, that, it's definitely amazing. that's cool well um, you know we, we look forward to seeing that one uh, that one come through have you got any timing on uh, on that one Skip yet have we, have we heard yes they, they're talking about uh, end of 2011 global launch but they're only really talking the press release is only really talking about Europe so I'd imagine it would come in pretty quickly and again it's going to be a case of whoever can market and get these things manufactured quickly I mean that's (laughs) there can't be that many manufacturing factories with their um, idle thumbs at the moment that's for sure no there's just so many phones and gadgets coming through right yeah all right, and anything else from uh, from Sony there at uh, at E3 they've they've made a few other announcements right and my mind's gone blank (laughs) There's a, uh, I think they've got a, a, uh, a bit of 3D gaming stuff coming through for the PS3. I noticed a, uh, uh, a monitor dedicated, sort of aimed as basically a, a gaming screen, really just a 3D computer monitor, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. As, that's it. I mean, that, that, that that's not going to probably be too popular in, uh, in most environments, is it? I, you know, I think people are tending to play. You know, you don't tend to sit in front of a console attached to a small screen these days. Usually, no. it's plugged into a big, a big screen TV, right? Yeah, it just seems a little unusual. To be fair, the um, I mean, you do generally run your 3D games off a, a giant 42-inch plus sort of monitor. And I've played the 3D versions of uh, Sony games on uh, Sony 3D screens, and they look nice. They they certainly do have a great 3D effect, um, but. It just it didn't seem to add anything extra to the environment, to the gaming environment. Um, so I, I'm not sure if 3D really is going to be a massive driving force for games. To be fair, well, it hasn't it hasn't sort of taken off a lot in terms of TVs, has it? You know, having to wear these silly glasses and so on to watch it, and you've got to have a set for everyone. It's not a particularly well, uh, at a, social hundred odd dollars type, a, type thing, right? A, yeah, hundred odd dollars per glasses. It's not exactly a friendly environment to bring your friends around. That was one screen that I saw. The other thing is that you, I was in a cinema once, and there was a lady in front of me going, "This 3D is so cool. We've got to get a 3D TV at home." 
and I'm sitting there thinking, lady, you're going to be so disappointed because you go to cinema experience, it's high frame rate, it's quality display. Amazing sound, the whole package, right? And the screen is bigger than Texas. You're going to go home, <laughs> sit at the edge of your lounge and watch a 42-inch uh, 3D screen and go, well, that was kind of okay, but it wasn't as cool. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, in terms of skepticism around 3D, I'm max maximum level of ten here at the moment. I'm, I, I think it'd be great, but I just don't. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of it at home. Great for cinemas. Fair enough. And and I guess if we look around our homes, have any of you guys got any any 3D setups? No. I, look, no. I, I've got I've got games like NBA 2K11 which can do 3D. But um, if someone wants to lend me a 3D projector, I'll put it in my theatre and, and get it well, going. Well, we do have one coming through from uh, JVC. I've got a cool <laughs> new 3D predict- projector and a very funky 3D uh, camcorder uh, all mm. HD kit. So uh, we'll be looking at that over the next few weeks when we can squeeze it into the Avatar schedule. Avatar 3D at and, my and, house. And I we'll may be, be swayed. We'll I be may swayed. So we'll be able to report <laughs> back on that. So uh, it may be that our enthusiasm for 3D uh, shoots through the roof once we've uh, once we've had a look at some of that new kit. Because mm. I think one of the one of the things where where 3D is great is in that cinema environment where it's you know it's really big. Yep. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm looking forward to having a look at that gear, and you know, we've just got to squeeze that into our schedule to get some time to have a really good look and 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 play with uh, with some of that new kit. It's not cheap, the best you know the best kit, uh, but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking f- I'm definitely looking forward to having a look at that stuff. All right, now next uh, next up, what were the other announcements at uh, at e- E3, Nintendo. guys? I don't Sorry. think there was anything else, was there? There was. No, no actually, <laughs> we've actually had one bit of breaking just coming through. I've just been reading the, the wires. Nintendo 3DS, the one we profiled on episode 8 or 7. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. They've just had a system update they've announced, which was what we were talking about at the time, which gives you now a full uh, browser, and it gives you an eShop online experience, and that's all. that update comes via Wi-Fi. Ooh. So they've just announced that at E3. So that'll now give you a platform which you can you know, use the Nintendo 3DS to do your browsing and also buy all your goods online, well, all your games online. That's cool. So that's just coming through. And I'm just trying to quickly skim it to see if there's anything else in that sort of announcement. But Nice we, work, Nintendo. Yeah. But if you want to move on to what I got rather excited about before. Yeah, well, 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 I don't think well, there was anything else, was there? We'll just move on. <laughs> Now, Brad, you've um, <laughs> you've become quite fond of your uh, your Xbox um, in recent times. Now, you, you're starting to get a, even a little bit more fonder with uh, with the announcements today. Yeah, they they, they did some good stuff today. I, look, I know they didn't announce any major hardware changes, but what they did announce was really that the maturity of the investments they've made over the last couple of years. So. For those of you who haven't sort of heard about it, they announced um, that Connect will be going out to all major game platforms across EA titles. So things like um, Tiger Woods Golf, um, FIFA 2011, um, Madden, uh, the uh, football NFL game. Um, you know, so you can actually call your plays. So this is the, some of the key things they're starting to introduce now. It's not just the motion, but you can actually, in a game, you can play a fighting game where you actually interact with the characters and you actually talk with them through the connect and then you can use your hands and gestures um the other cool thing which i was demoing just before on on a bit of hardware we've gotten here was the uh tom clancy um where you can actually go through and make up your guns by using your hands and your voice and then go out and play imagine playing doom with your hands 
and we have to shoot and pump do a pump action, hold the gun and hold yeah. the gun the whole night, and they, they were demoing that on stage, and that was absolute. That was that's great for kids, you know. It just lets them to get more immersive <laughs> with these violent games. Wasn't it, wasn't the, the Microsoft Connect ad where everyone was shooting each other's with their hands? Yes, that was exactly it. Yes, it it actually works. It actually works. Yeah. And this demonstration, I was sitting there watching it going. Wow. Reloading the weapon. So all, all of those things, yeah. actually. I mean, yeah, young young kids are going to love this stuff. Um, We're all yeah. doing the actions. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and so they will have the, and the other. As are we. Yeah, the other two key announcements <laughs> was there's going to be a new dashboard um, design that's going to be coming out. You know what? I actually saw that dashboard design a little while ago. I think they it snuck out in something. And I asked someone and said, oh, is this the new dashboard? Oh, no, 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 no. There's no new dashboard. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that looks quite different. Yeah. And then when I saw it again today, I thought, you know what? <laughs> you accidentally leaked it. Yep. So, and the, and the other, well, the other sort of two things was they're going to uh, now integrate IPTV directly into it. Yep, that's very cool. And that's all uh, voice controlled through your Connect, um, and basically you can sit there and talk to the shows and do all the stuff that you've wanted to do in Minority Report, like play Harry Potter Part One, pause, fast forward to fifty-five minutes, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now the the demonstration did show one flaw in the whole system. Your wife can control the Xbox. <laughs> and at one point, had the guys watching, you could see the look on his face. The wife like, pause the movie. Xbox, pause the movie. And she went off to do something. And he's sitting there going, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it, I was yeah. just telling you about that a couple of weeks ago, though. That's you know one of the things we found with uh, with the Netflix setup that allows you to do that now. I mean, yes. it, the, those voice controls and those, you know, the voice controls and the gesture controls, um, you know, are, are actually potentially quite cool. They're exceptionally cool. What, what I'm hoping, though, is that we get some of the New Zealand providers on board so that we can actually, you know, it's great knowing that uh, these capabilities are coming to Australia, the US, the UK likely, you know. It's, I mean, it's going to come to the bigger countries first, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm interested in is hearing, uh, you know, what are Sky doing in New Zealand? Oh, awesome. You know, what's going to happen with, t- you know, uh, TV3, TVNZ? Uh, which of those guys are jumping on? Are going to jump on board with this stuff? Because you know uh, what, I think it's going to be Sky that would do it. It has it, to be Sky because I, I can't see TV Three and TVNZ doing it because they don't have enough content. Well, they're, they're going to have to because but, if if they don't, people are going to keep using these other mechanisms, and if you they're, go going with, to, they're going to bypass them and go to Netflix and so but on. But if you right? go with Sky, if Sky do it, TV TVNZ and TV Three are on the Sky platform anyway. Yeah. So they'll just get Sky to do the work in this area. And um, I don't know, maybe a bit of coin goes across the palms, or who knows. But I mean, yeah, it's and as I look at it, it's going to be Sky. I mean, it's Foxtel in, in Australia, Australia yeah. and it's Sky in the UK. So individual smaller TV channels, and I, I know it's hard to think that TVNZ and TV3 are small channels, but they have small ch- number of channel offerings. Yeah. It's going to be the Sky type ones. But uh, the good thing I looked about it today is like, oh, Netflix, yeah, that's great. You know, oh wait, YouTube. Yes, They're I was going to say. offering YouTube across on the Xbox. And I'm suddenly thinking, well, that's great because that's a global brand right yep. there. And so it hits a lot of the markets that don't have Netflix. Yep. And the other thing you could also do now is you can, uh, you can go Xbox search and then it'll bring up Bing search. And then you can go um, show me all Harry Potter videos. And it'll bring up all the games, all the movies, everything that's in on Hulu, Netflix, 
Bing. I think it does a bit of YouTube searching as well. And there's two other platforms in there I think it's going to search. So, yeah, they're going to, they're integrating a lot of stuff into it. And it's all voice controlled as well, which is quite nice. That's great. But, of course, we will still be limited in New Zealand in terms of which of those services we're going to see the content yep. from, right? So, yep. uh, yeah. All right, no, that's, uh, that's I'm moving that's, to the states. That's sounding pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> just we've, we're we're uh, still going to be slightly crippled here in New Zealand, and uh, for for uh, you know what, I think I might start an ISP in New Zealand that just offers US based IP addresses. That could be a market winner, I reckon. No one take that idea, by the way. <laughs> <There's patent. laughs> I, I, I have heard of uh, of ISP suggesting they're going to offer that in some countries, but. Uh, I'm not not aware of anyone actually uh, actually delivering it. It's so. not a very good model. You'd go broken about a week, I think. Yeah. So the other big one today, Apple, WWDC. Yeah. So Apple have made announcements around updating um, iOS, which is the you know operating system on the iPad and the iPhone. They haven't announced any new iPhone today. They haven't announced any new iPads. It's just some software updates. Yeah, it's all right? software, and it's coming in the fall. So. That's, that's unusual for Apple to yep. announce something that's still uh, still quite a few months out. What, yeah, what what does that what does that suggest to you guys? Share price. That's what it suggests to me. Is they needed to bring something to the table because of all the other market announcements that have happened just before. Need. But the share price fell one point three percent or something. Weird I would suggest before. it probably would have fallen a lot more if they hadn't. If they hadn't announced anything. Yeah. Yep. No, that, that, they do need to. And I mean, traditionally this time of year. You know they are tending to make announcements, but yeah, it is interesting to see that Apple are making an announcement, but don't have something you know huge that's about to come out the doors. We've got OS X Lion that they talked about the up, update yep. uh, to the main uh, operating system for their Macs, but you know that's not a huge leap forward, is it? No, so I've been running that for a little while now, um, and look, it's really nice. Don't get me wrong, I I do like it, but. It's applications with inside the OS. There's small tweaks. I think they said there's 250 new features inside Lion in total. There's the App Store, so very similar to what you have inside um, iOS for your iPad, so you can go shopping online. But I think you and I, Paul, were talking last week that if they'd bought out the App Store a year and a half ago, we'd all be going, wow, this is revolutionary. But because it's been out for a while now with you know, with the Apple devices, it's sort of a bit ho-hum. It's sort of like, well, it's nothing really... And it's available in the current version of OS X anyway, right? Correct. So they're, they're touting that as one of the uh, one of the new features, um, but it, but it's actually uh, but it's actually there. Now the the other thing that they've um, that they've announced is um, um, iCloud. <laughs> when the room just Deathly went silent. silent. I don't know how to. I don't, I don't know how to talk about this because. It's a compete against Google. Do we agree or disagree on that? Well, on their website, they actually well, do have comparisons to Amazon and Google. So, and it's so, a right raw snub at Google, to be honest. But but what what it is is it's, it's Apple are coming late late to the market, aren't they? So it's not Apple sort of innovating, saying, "Hey, we're the first with this new thing." Which I guess you know, to a degree, Apple often often have played this way in the past. They look to see how other people bring an offering to the market. Then they try and they try and uh, deliver everything that the other guys have delivered and come in and do something new. Uh, what is it new that they've got here? Is it that they've got tie-ups with some of the record labels? They've, I th- they've I think got that's some the official main thing. support for what they're doing. I think that's the main thing is they actually have the agreements with the record companies. 
Although, um, yes, I was about to say. didn't you say that the record companies have sort of come out all guns blazing this Ooh, um, today? They're not happy. So while Apple have tied up at a high level the record labels, the record labels themselves have now come out saying this is going to have, they're calling it eye piracy and they're, they're not happy. Oh. They're not happy at all. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops over the next few months as the service gets released because, and I need to do a bit more reading on it because I don't want to, yeah, I just don't can't give feedback on something I really haven't had a good play on at the moment. So, but yeah, it's interesting. So what what I've seen, uh, there are some good features to the iCloud. That the the main ones is of course when the iOS five they're actually doing the across the wire stuff now, so you don't have to worry about um, uh, having to sync your device with the uh, with a PC or a Mac, which is great. Um, but that leads into the iCloud service, which allows you to synchronize your your music. Your contacts, email, calendar information, all your ebook stuff, all your apps, uh, documents management, yep. the whole nine, a lot of stuff up in the cloud, which is a great service. Probably should have been the service right from the start. But the, the key thing is that everyone was wanting a streaming service, and this is not a streaming service. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's not a streaming service. And the, the interesting thing is that. Um, the music. I mean, they've got a huge amount of music in this on the service, and supposedly, it's supposed to allow you to take your existing library and go. Oh, you've got the Foo Fighters album, and I've got a higher quality version of that. Since you're subscribing, I'm going to send you a better quality version. Now, the question is, do I have to have a legit copy of the Foo Fighters for that service to work? And it appears perhaps not. No, that's exactly what they're saying at the moment. So I was just reading that as you're talking about it, and. What it's going to do is iTunes Match will go through your current iTunes library, scan it, and then place all your iTunes library up into the cloud. Yep. So it's going to, what are they going to do about DRM? And this is where I think the record labels are getting a bit antsy with, the, with Apple around this one. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it, the I idea think it's going to upset a lot of the smaller record labels that haven't signed on to the deal, right? So the question is, are, is all the music covered? Is it all going to land in there? Do we, do we know that? Or is it just the record labels that they've signed deals with whose music will end up in the cloud and you'll end up with some stuff on your computer, some that ends up in, in Apple's online you know, storage? Yeah, it could be a bit of a shambles, couldn't well, it? They reckon they've got 18 million out tracks already in the system. That seems like a lot of tracks and possibly more than what they've actually got. Uh, that, that's a lot of music. It's sure. a lot of music. It's a lot more than I've got. <laughs> well, we'd hope so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it does seem to be a few questions around the service. The price is pretty cheap. I think the price is around about twenty nine ninety five US. Twenty five, dollars twenty five dollars uh, yeah. US. And they've done a comparison on the website against Amazon, and basically that price appears to be a flat price for any number of music that you've got, whereas Amazon charge more for the more music that you have Although stored I re- online. I recall with Amazon you get a free uh, a free block of storage as soon as you buy one track. Yes, off 20 them. gig. So you you instantly get 20 gigs for for spending 99 cents with them. Yep. Uh, now, now the other which isn't isn't too shabby. Yeah, so that's that's right, but a slightly different uh, I guess. I mean, I believe uh, I iCloud's going to offer 5 gig basic storage. That's up to free. Up, so yep, for calendar free, mail yeah. and photos. Yep. That's it. Right. So that that's going to be interesting and there of course, are lots of services and provide that already. Yeah. Right? The music doesn't count towards your data cap as either. Okay, so that's, that, cool. that's what happens if you put up. You, you've got twenty gig of music. It's not going to appear in your account as twenty gig but of music. Does does this not sound like SkyDrive, which Microsoft announced for Windows Phone Seven about two weeks ago? 
uh, with the with the replication, you take a photo with your with your Windows phone, and it suddenly appears on your PC or Mac or something. It, it probably it sounds a lot like any number of services yeah. out there. So it's it's not, and this is it. People are saying actually for this this whole conference, the keynote came out with nothing that was revolutionary. I mean, we expect to an Apple conference keynote to come out with something that's you know this is a revolutionary new product. This time they came out with a product that everyone is well familiar with, yeah. just another form. Google's beating everyone think, to the punch. I think the problem is here, guys, is that we've had so much innovation over the last few years that, I mean, it can't just keep going on at the same rate. So, you know, we've got uh, all of the main, uh, the main technology vendors that are coming out with new stuff, you know, on a fairly regular basis. And there are times when uh, some of the players are going to stop and pause and just play catch up to some of those new announcements. So, you know, we've got Windows Phone 7 uh, at the moment, which, uh, yep, sure, it's got some areas where it's, it definitely leads the way in terms of innovation and technology, but other spaces where it's catching up, we're seeing the same on the Windows platform with its its tablet stuff. It's going to come out with some great stuff uh, next year, but right now uh, it's behind the game, and, and we're seeing the same with, with Google and Amazon and Apple, uh, they're ahead in some spaces but behind in others, and uh, they've all got to catch up. So, you know, we I guess we're going to see um, a, a situation uh, like this where we're going to get new releases from everyone, but not all the time will uh, will these announcements be totally groundbreaking. Yeah, but and that's the problem for Apple is that their share price, and I keep harking back to the share price. Are you a stockholder? In a... No, not at all. But that that's what that's what actually has driven Apple's success recently. Yeah, well, exactly. They've done so well. They have, and, and this is this is why Apple is the number one IT company in the world at the moment because their share price and they've been able to turn over a lot of money. But that's what the share price and the shareholders have been expecting out of them every time they get on the stage is innovation. Um, and as you say today, share price took a little bit of a tumble because there wasn't a lot of innovation. It was, it was still cool stuff, but it wasn't. Yeah, one percent's not a not a big deal in the scheme of things. And and I don't think, you know, the thing that holds Apple, they've got such <laughs> a, they've got such a strong brand, and and that's not gonna that's not gonna change overnight. There's a premium into the market that will probably be buying Apple for a long time. Oh, totally. At but the, you the know, current... there, there's a there's a mid. I guess a mid-range and a and a and a and a broader audience though that will will be looking around for more value with their products and if those products can do the same things that Apple does, uh, then you know there's that that broad segment of the market that will will happily buy uh, a Samsung product or a Nokia product or or you know any range of vendor products if they believe them to be uh, able to do you know do the same sorts of things and and in some cases these other products are going to be doing much better things. I agree. Can I rant about Lion for a second? Lion, yes. So Lion's um, Lion's coming out in July, right? Again, it's one of these. Well, they haven't have they formally announced yep, it. Yeah, they've said it's definitely coming in July. It's going to be thirty eight ninety nine in New Zealand. Right. So we've got a price point for There's it. So one it's one massive problem with this whole picture, Paul. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this one. You, what is that problem? Have you got to tell me, or can I go on about you, it? You, you, you go on about it, so Brad. This, the problem <laughs> with the line is not the OS; it's Brett, the by way. The, by the way, Brad and I are, are both uh, Mac OS X users. Yeah, so, so don't get me wrong. I, I, I've got this OS, so I, you know. But the only way you can get Lion is from the App Store, and you have to download it. So How you, big is it, Brad? How, four gig. 
you're downloading four gig for an OS, which is fine. You I mean Windows and Linux well, and other things. Not, it's not going to be when uh, when I go and visit family and uh, try and pull it down. Exactly. Uh, f- you know, on my mum's internet connection, which I think it used to be a one gig uh, limit. She bumped it up to five for the occasional times when I uh, I visit. Um, we're going to blow that whole uh, that whole cap uh, very very quickly, aren't so, we? So you, you can yes, you you can't sit there and buy it in, in a in a Harvey Normans from now on. You're going to have to buy it from the surely App Store. Surely Apple, surely. And I mean, yeah, I've got to say, Apple, whoever's listening out there from Apple, you need to deliver this on a USB key or through some other mechanism because this is not a uh, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for. Um, you know, for the for the Apple partners out there, who you know they need a way to be able to look after their customers and, and get it out to them easily. Uh, sure, it, you know it cuts those people out and allows Apple to sell it directly. Uh, but a lot of people, just especially in in you know parts of the world like New Zealand, uh, you know, don't really want to be downloading um, you know a four gig update. That's that's just not cool. I just wanted to point out your one percent uh, share price thing. On Apple, if you had a hundred shares today, you lost about six hundred dollars. Okay, so it's not that's the problem. Their price is not an insignificant share price anymore. That's true. That's true. Fair enough. But yeah. So anyway, so look, I want to see. I'm hoping Apple come back with something. It's the first time um, that they're going to do this only via the App Store for a full OS, and obviously, it's the first time where Apple actually haven't released. They've done a whole lot of announcements, but not actually released anything. So mm. I was just looking on the on the Apple sort of couple of websites, and it's the first time ever. Now let's just put this into perspective: it is a developers' conference. Yeah, but Apple have a reputation for delivering something at these developer conferences every time, and people come to expect that. They've, there was no iPhone five device mentioned today. I mean, you were hedging that there were some banners that were still hidden over at the conference. Yeah, I've seen on a couple of blog sites where there are still a a banner is hidden. It it's still covered in black cloth or something at WWDC. So the question is, was it a platform that didn't make it to the day or is there something still in the works? Now, I mean, that would be unusual for Apple not to deliver everything yeah. at the keynote. So maybe it was just a misspelt banner. <laughs> so I don't who, know. Who knows? That, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I think, I mean, Apple are going to have to deliver in some form this OS X for when you reinstall your machine, other things. There's got to be another way that you can get it, at least with a new machine. So I'll be interested to see what they come out with there. They've got to sort it. I think so, absolutely. All right, uh, now we are virtually up for time, I think, on uh, on this episode, but we did want to chat about a little, uh, a little tu- well, not so little uh, touchscreen device we've got sitting here in, in the studio. Yes. Uh, a very cool little device from HP. This is one of their TouchSmart systems. Yeah, HP TouchSmart 600 series. There's a 600 and a 610. The 610 has more grunt, so that's about it. Um, it has a TV tuner built into it, um, and it has the TouchSmart 4.0 software built on top of it, and it is really, really cool. So this, at the moment, this this has been uh, in your house. Your son's been using it. Yeah, my six-year-old son's been playing. He's what been... a privileged <laughs> child you have! But look, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch a kid that really hadn't used a lot of touchscreen devices. Suddenly, he's playing Angry Birds. He's making video podcasts, as you saw earlier yeah, on. Was, yeah, that's cool. He's um, doing drawings. He's doing mathematics online. With it's all touch-based interface sitting on top of Windows Seven. Um, it's got a camera built into it. If I allowed him to watch TV, it would be you could put a TV tuner in there. It's a really, really nice piece of technology. Yeah, no, it's great. We had a bit of a play around with it before, and it, it looks nice, nice device. Uh, 
really really nice size in terms of a you know a touchscreen. Uh, yeah, its responsiveness was yeah. great. It's really good. Digital TV. Yes. So it has the Freeview decoder. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, that's cool. Yeah, it is really, really nice. So if you get a chance, I think um, JB Hi-Fi or Harvey Normans have them in stock. So go have a look, have a play, um, but make sure you're actually running the, the Touch Smart OS, which is what they put over the top of it, and that gives you a much better user experience. Apps of the week, are we going to allowed to do one quick app of the week or not? Uh, I uh, yeah, I'm a bit concerned. We're right, we've run out of we've run out of time, but let let's very quickly run through a couple uh, for the iPad. Uh, what have we got? What have we got there, guys? Um, I see mention of the TVNZ. Oh um, yes, 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 guide yes. app. Yes, the TVNZ have released a EPG guide, electronic programming guide online. Um, you can download it. Looks do a search in the marketplace for TVNZ. Uh, really cool, really simple, really clean. Um, That's on the iPhone and the iPad, correct. isn't it? Yes, yeah. yep. and yep. it's just it's a nice little app to see what's going on um, at the moment. It's not as um, intuitive as the Sky one, which allows you to record everything, but at least this gives you an overview of what's going on. Very cool. nice, very clean. Cool. And what what else have we got to mention um, this week? You had a uh, a, yes. win, a local uh, a local app for. Yeah. Um, uh, for Windows Phone 7. Yeah, definitely. So Nigel Parker, a local uh, developer, has developed one called OneSale. Um, if you're on the marketplace, just search for OneSale. And this is a really, really nice little application. What it does is you select your location, Auckland, Wellington, or Christchurch, and it tells you by pulling in from various feeds like, uh, say, TradeMe or uh, LastMinute.com or one of those sort of you know, instant websites, what the sales are on in your area near you and what's going on. So and it's a really, really clean UI. Um, you can basically go through, um, grab one is another one that he's pulling a feed in for at the moment. So, And he was able to sit there and show, <coughs> excuse me, show it in action where you could actually work out, well, there's 10 seats left and my voice is actually going as we speak. So. Brad, Brad's about to <laughs> die here. Uh, we may have to cut the show yeah. off uh, uh, half a minute early. But, you know, one, one sale is <laughs> really, really nice. Um, it's really clean and, yeah, it is – it's a great one if you just want to do those grabber seats and stuff. You can actually see how many seats are left on a flight, uh, what's going on, or how many hotel rooms are left and stuff like that. And now Nigel's one of the uh, one of the Windows Phone sort of um, experts here in New Zealand, working for Microsoft. He, I think, initially did this as a little bit of a demo of what the technology yeah. can do. Uh, it's actually a really good demo because in a fairly short space of time he's pulled this together. It's it's it's. I mean that's that's not what his job is is developing applications. Uh, but this is a pretty cool app for uh, for something developed effectively in his spare time, right? Oh yeah, it, it it uses the full range of the Windows Phone Seven sort of screens and menus and it just he's, yeah he's done a great job. So yeah, I just wanted to give a bit of a plug out to him because he's. It is some, it's nice when you see, and he's put it on the store as him, not as a Microsoft person, but as, he, as his own little sort of business, if you like, getting it up and going. So I want to give him a plug. I can't wait to try it. Oh, that's right. You don't have a phone, do you? <laughs> Next week. Sorry, oh, can we Can we do a session on Symbian S60 uh, applications? No. Okay. No. And, and no. <laughs> um, we, we've run out of time for that. No, actually, we did have one one more uh, a, a Google app to uh, to chat about for the Android platform. Uh, a lot of you guys will have will have seen it, but uh, but not 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 everyone has. And I, you know, there's there are now such a broad r- range of users that are accessing the Android platform. Uh, not everyone is a, is a geek that's up with the play with all the latest. So one of the apps been around for a little while now, but uh, is really cool is Google Goggles. Have you guys had a look at that? It yes. is awesome, very cool. That is one app we definitely recommend um, getting and. 
Although, what, what's, what's make the... sure safe search is on. Oh, okay. It's a bit <laughs> like that, is it? <laughs> so in what context have you, uh, have you seen it, Skip? Uh, I've, I've actually only just played with it yep. and uh, tried it on products uh, and branding especially. So you, so you can hold it up and take a photo of a, of a logo, right? And it'll yep. bring you up information about that company. And it's pretty accurate actually. It'll, it'll yep. pull up information yeah. on the company or uh, organisations selling that company's brand. Um, obviously the more obscure the brand, the less uh, accurate it is. Uh, especially if there's not a lot of photos on the net of that particular brand. Right. But if you were to go up to, say, the Microsoft uh, logo and take a photo of it, you're generally going to hit the Microsoft right. corporate Right, so you webpage. can use the camera to basically help you search for information, right? So you hold it up to, say, the, the barcode on a product. Uh, you know, let's say you're in an electronic store, you can hold that up, captures the barcode, it'll go out and look for sort of, uh, you know what other stores online are selling that uh, you know that 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 product for? I mean, there there are uh, similar apps across other platforms, but Google Goggles has certainly been uh, you know probably the one that that that's led the way in a lot of regards. Yeah, well, they've probably got um, so, the most information at their fingertips at the moment. Well, yeah, they? yeah, Google have a fair a fair stack of information uh, <laughs> on on hand. About ninety percent of the information in the world must be sitting in their databases somewhere, yep. um, including information people wish they didn't have. I imagine. Uh, so yeah, Google goggles definitely. If you're using Android, uh, make sure you've got uh, you've got that one. Have a have a bit of a play there. Uh, I understand that's also likely to be coming through on uh, on BlackBerry and um, uh, iPhone probably in the future. Although I don't think that's actually uh, landed Google, uh, Google for, e- for every other platform. Has it? It's on. Is it on iPhone right now? I've I've tested on the iPhone. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's okay. part of the Google app on iPhone. Okay. Yep. Good. Good. All right. Well, that's us. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up now. We've uh, we've had a lot to cover. There's a lot more we'd like to chat about, but uh, but we're out of time for this week. So. Thanks very much for listening into the NZ Tech Podcast. Do look us up online, nztechpodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter at NZ Tech Podcast. And of course, uh, more than welcome to um, to join us our Facebook uh, page, which is facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast. Cool. All right. See you, bye. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs> 